Welcome to Podcast, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. So glad you're joining us today. I want to start with a sad story. I know you're thinking, Larry never starts with a sad story, but I do today. And and it's a story that I think you might relate to. I think that all of us might relate to it in a way. It's a story of when you have your heart set on something, whether it's a a certain job or a certain kind of relationship, whether it's a, a story involving maybe family members or a story involving something in your career or a hobby, and you work towards it, you visualize it, you have what we call in uh, the science of mind a good mental equivalent of what it should be, how it should look, how it should feel. You picture yourself in it, you're doing everything that's right, and it feels elusive to you. It's like it just doesn't come together. You, you feel like all the elements are just kind of right on the other side of the door, but the door won't open. And, and so far, you know, it's not even really the sad story. The sad story is when I hear these words, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. I think that's the sad story. I think that's somehow wanting to shift the responsibility off of our own mental equivalent, off of our own gumption, and, so, and somehow pawn it off on spirit as though spirit would want anything less than perfection for you, as though spirit should somehow have some secret plan that you're not going to like very much, but you have to put up with. That is not what we believe in the science of mind. We believe that you have the ability to have what you want, what you need, what delights you. We know that that law of attraction that that Reverend Marilyn talked about a few minutes ago, we know that it works. We know that what is in our heart and on our mind, that that mental equivalent is attracting to us the good life, that which we desire, the, the lovely relationships, the, the fruitful jobs, the ways of being in the world that make our hearts sing. We know that that is true. And so really the only sad story here is when we give up on our dream too soon. And so what I'm talking today about today is staying on the course. We've been using the Prosperous Heart, Julia Cameron's book on prosperity. And, and her thesis is, and I think it's a wonderful one, that when we persist in our dreams, we will have our dreams. And so today, it's about that idea of persistence. And she talks about really three areas where if we pay attention we will work through that block. We will work through that area where it feels like we're stuck, where we're tempted to give up. If we pay attention to these three areas, she says it's smooth sailing. Well, I don't always know about the smooth sailing, uh, but I do know and have had personal experience with all three of these areas that I want to share with you. The first area is other people. Have you noticed that other people... Sometimes the people closest to us do not share our dreams. <laughs> and, and, and although I would never say that a loved one you know, is a block to happiness, I would say 
that sometimes the people closest to us do not understand our goals, maybe don't even understand what's important to us. And so I would, I would fall back on a very wise gentleman called Wayne Dyer. And in one of his books, I think he coined this phrase, not this sentiment, it's been around for a long time, but I think he coined the phrase, what other people think of me is none of my business. And I would offer that up as the solution to this problem because people are always offering me advice and, and, and I bet I'm not alone in that. Other people always have, they feel the right to give input into how you should live your life, what your goals are. I remember, in fact, I remember when I was five years old, I got sent home with a note from preschool not living up to his potential, right? In preschool, for gosh sakes. What, you know, what, what kind of potential does, well, I guess infinite potential a five-year-old has. So yeah, I wasn't living up to my infinite potential. But honestly, what other people think of you it's none of your business. And in fact, when you make it your business, when you try to please other people, I think it's the recipe for disaster perfectly, honestly. I, I think the more we tend to want to please other people, the less likely we are to please ourselves. And when we go about being displeased, right? We're not going to please anybody. One of the keys, I think, to staying on course is just to realize it's your course. It's not your spouse's course. Now, hopefully, you and your spouse have courses that are similar, <laughs> that are headed in roughly the right direction, right? Our friends, our family, of course, we, we make up our circles of influence and connection, in it, and roughly, we want to have similar values. We want to be headed in the same direction. But the course itself is going to be different, and we need to make allowances for those that are close of us to have different ideals and different values, and we have the right to expect the freedom to express our differences as well. And when you find yourself modifying your behaviors, when you begin questioning what's important to you based on someone else's feedback, I just think it's the road to anxiety. Last week we talked about the anxious heart versus the prosperous heart. And when you start doing for others instead of yourself, it makes the anxious heart. Have you, is everyone familiar with the term walking on eggshells? It's, it's when you're with someone and you're always like, what are they thinking? What are they going to say? What, what should happen if I do this? Will they respond in that way? I think you know that's no way to live. That's no way to be. That is what happens when we start paying attention more to other people's goals and values than what is true and good for us. So that's the first concern and the first tip for staying on course is it is your course. And it, it is okay if your course is different than everybody else's. It's yours. Take pride in it. Don't hide it. Believe in it. Strengthen it. Go with it. If it is right for you, ultimately it is right for the people around you. The second thing that she talks about in this book, and I, I, 
so, of course, you know, we're headed into a joke. And I always try my jokes out on my loved ones. And, and I have to say, this one only b uh, batted about 50%. So a man visits a doctor to complain. You know, I'm having trouble getting to all the things around the house that I used to do. I don't seem to be motivated to take any exercise either. Just, just getting up off the sofa these days seems harder than it used to be. And the work is just stacking up. Well, the doctor says, let's order some tests. We'll get to the bottom of this. Well, the following week after some blood tests and stamina tests and activity tests, a whole variety of things, he's back to the doctor. And he says, Doc, I can take it. Tell me in plain English what's wrong with me. Well, said the doctor, there's really nothing physically wrong. So in plain English, I guess I'd say you're getting lazy. <laughs> Well, okay, said the man, I, I guess I can live with that, but isn't there a more medical term that I can use with my wife? <laughs> and I hesitate to say this, but sometimes staying on course is a question of activity level. Have you grown complacent? Have you started out on some new project, some new way of being, something that was really exciting and, and you felt driven and you took the first few steps and, and, and things were going okay and then, I don't know, maybe you woke up one day and just felt a little tired and then, and then that day moved into another day and you thought, well, I can work some more on this next week when I'll have more time. And then next week came around and you actually were sick that week and so you put that and you see where I'm going with this? Suddenly, something that seemed so bright, so important, so luscious, a, a true mental equivalent that you were looking forward to, maybe a breakthrough in a, in a job or in a hobby, maybe some investment that you were going to make to your education or a relationship, and suddenly, three weeks later, what happened to it? Now, I don't know that I would go so far as to call it laziness, but I would go so far as to say it's not staying true to yourself. If something was important to you, it doesn't just evaporate. In fact, I would say that's one of the ways you can tell when something is important or not. If you wake up 24 hours later and it's like, what was I even thinking? It probably wasn't that important. I'm talking about something, though, that could be life-changing, something that you've wanted to do all your life, something that you would be willing to make an investment in, but it is simply the daily grind that wears away at you. Something that, you know, the phone rings and suddenly you're off doing something else. This requires discipline on your part, and maybe that's not so much laziness as it is stick-to-itiveness. Do you have the gumption, as my grandma would say? There's a word that's showing my age, right? Most people probably don't even know what gumption means anymore. But do you have the moxie? Do you have the, the strong desire to keep moving forward? Because I think that's really all it takes. You need to be able to, when you pick up the phone and someone asks you to do something, you need to be able to, to look yourself in the eye and say, wait a minute. If I do this, is it taking away from my dream? If I do this other thing, if I, if I just sleep in today and blow the day off, what happened to my commitment? This 
is important to me, I will follow through with it. I will schedule some time. I will maybe make a to-do list around it. I will have some milestones to look forward to. I will manage it as though it were in a project that's important to me because it is important to me. My dream is important to me. That mental equivalent that I signed up for, the better life, the good life, the better job, the improved relationship, the, the beautiful home remodel, whatever it is, it's important to me. And it's worth my energy. The last thing about stick to I think, is no more than the refreshing of that mental equivalent. Have you noticed that sometimes our dreams actually do get stale? That we've had a dream for so long, a persistent idea of how life might be, a persistent idea of, of what uh, a better relationship could be, a persistent idea of what retirement or going back to school or, or whatever it might be. And simply with time, it seems to fade a little bit. It seems to move into the background. Maybe it's something that you've always wanted to do. Maybe you wanted to take up playing a musical instrument or painting or something like that. And it's like you buy the materials, you, you get ready, you, you, you have an idea of moving forward. And it just seems like the passing of every day instead of that, that thing, that way of being that good life, instead of it getting closer, it seems like with every passing day, it just gets a little more remote. I think that with all things, there can be a staleness with relationships, with our jobs, even when the things we're involved with and the people that we're involved with are the right things, even though they fit our idea of what is good and is right, over time, we begin taking them for granted. Over time, we begin just drifting away from our true dream of love and light and joy. And I would suggest to you we can take some steps around that, some steps that are pretty straightforward, in fact. And I'll use an example uh, from my own life. Some of you know that a few years ago, my partner Daniel and I gave up our beach house. and We did it for all the right reasons. Uh, believe me, it needed a lot of repair. It was right on the Oregon coast. Uh, the roof blew off one year. It was a, a you know kind of a constant headache. We did absolutely the right thing financially and otherwise when we sold that beach house. But I got to tell you, one of my dreams is someday to live at the beach again. One of my dreams, and, and I see myself, it's part of several of my mental equivalents, I'm at the beach. And so this last year we had this idea, this dream, Daniel and I, that maybe it would be time to start looking at doing that again. And, and of course we started out in the most simple kind of way, just talking about it. I think Daniel signed up for Zillow and plugged in some beach communities and so they were, you know, e emailing him different houses down at the beach and, and, and often uh, when I would get home on Sunday uh, from being here, he, he would have some of them on the computer screen to look at, right? And it was more a dream but what I realized is of course what were we doing we were building a mental equivalent of what it would be like to be at the beach again 
And so we started talking about it, and, and, and one day we even called a realtor. One of, one of the, the homes looked so attractive and strangely affordable that we thought, well, we'll call the realtor and just ask about it. Well, that house had sold, but of course, now we have a realtor on our side, right? And she was telling us about how difficult things were right now, that so many people have learned they can work from home, and who wouldn't want to work from home where? at the beach, right? So she said the inventory is way down and the prices are way up. And and, and it, of course, she's a realtor, right? But what she's doing is talking us out <laughs> of, being, of being down at the beach. But there was something about the dream that Daniel and I had. And one day, he just blurted out, why don't we build our own house? Who cares what the inventory is like down there? Who cares what home prices are down there? Could we build our own? And so that that began a new avenue of persistence, of staying on course for this dream. And so then, of course, well, we need to find some property. And, and, and I'm not going to go on with this story to any greater length, although we are in the process now of hiring a contractor to build our dream house. But I do want to tell you about the lot. So we found a perfect lot in Walport, Oregon. So we were down uh, on Saturday and Sunday. We come back, and on Monday, I'm getting ready to call the realtor. And guess what happens? Daniel had marked this lot on Zillow. And so Zillow mailed him, emailed him the notification that had been reduced $40,000. Now, do you need a better sign than that, right? You know, if there is any doubt, he just got an email literally the morning we're going to call the realtor that it's $40,000 less. So we call the realtor so excited. We'll, we'll make the full price offer at the, it's sold. It had been sold. We were literally like minutes late, right? They had got an offer that same day as soon as it went on sale. Now, you might think that Daniel and I then would be in that, I guess it just wasn't meant to be framework, right? If you do, you don't know us very well. <laughs> we weren't daunted at all. It still seemed like the perfect sign that we were headed in the right direction. We took it as encouragement rather than discouragement. And so we made some other, uh, some other appointments to go and look at other properties and things like that. And you know what? Three weeks later, we got another note from Zillow on that same piece of property that had sold. And so I just assumed it was a mistake, right? The silly realtor forgot to, to show that it was off market. And so we called the, the uh, real estate agency and they said, oh yeah, it's just a silly mistake. It, it sold. Uh, you know, people keep calling about it, but I, I know it sold. It was a great price too. A great lot. We probably have four or five different calls a week on that one, but it sold. Two weeks later, Zillow is still like sending him notes. And I think to myself, I'm going to call the agent myself. I'm not going to call the, the agency that she works for. Her cell phone is actually on the sign in the yard. And, and that sign is still up, by the way. I had someone in Walport drive by. No, the sign is still there. And here's her phone number. I call her and she said, I don't know what's going on with the real estate agency that I work for, that lot is still for sale. Would you like to buy it? 
what I know as the, the proud owner of the lot in Walport that we had our heart set on is that you don't give up. Is that when you have a mental equivalent that's lovely and true, you stick with it. Now, you'll notice though, when Daniel and I were first disappointed, we didn't say it was that or nothing, right? We were still open to look at other lots. We were still open to the dream, even if the dream was a little different. Now, in this particular case, we got exactly what we had originally wanted, but we were open to other alternatives as well. We didn't give the universe an ultimation. It has to be me and my humanness exactly like this. We were willing to see that there was some wiggle room there. Let me recap what we've talked about today. We've talked about not paying so much attention to other people. If we want to stay the course for our dream, it has to be our dream. We talked about the idea of not letting go of that dream despite what presents itself to us. We're not going to fold. We're not going to look back. We're not going to think somehow, well, it just wasn't meant to be. You get to decide what is meant to be. There is good for you, and you shall have it. Your dream is your dream. It does, however, require stick-to-itiveness. Remember the joke about laziness. There can be a kind of a laziness about our dream. If it seems a little bit elusive, sometimes we can get tired. Sometimes we can just see it on the back burner. If you bring it to the front burner, if you put energy and activity in it, if you keep it alive, and that was the, the third piece of this that we talked about, we have to give our own life to our dream. We have to be persistent. We have to be willing to see it through. And when we do those three things, when we keep the mission alive, when we stay on course, truly, our good will be ours. I want to share a reading with you that I haven't read in a long time. It's something that we often read in January when we talk about setting intentions for the year, but I think this fits in perfectly in lieu of a closing prayer today. It's called The Moments of High Resolve by Howard Thurman. He says, Keep fresh before me the moments of my high resolve. Despite the dullness and barrenness of the days that may pass, if I search with due diligence, I can always find a deposit left by former radiance. I had forgotten. At the time, it was full-orbed. It was glorious. It was resplendent. And I would sure that I would never forget. In the moment of its fullness, I was sure that it would illuminate my path for the rest of my entire journey. But I had forgotten how easy it is simply to forget. There was no attempt to betray what seemed so sure at the time. My response was whole, it was clean, it was authentic. But little by little, there crept into my life the dust and the grit of the journey. Details, low-level demands, all kinds of cross-currents, Nothing momentous, nothing overwhelming, nothing flagrant, just life's wear and tear. 
If there had been a direct challenge to my dream, a clear-cut issue, I would have fought it to the end and beyond. And so, in the quietness of this place, and surrounded by the all-pervading presence of God, my heart whispers, keep fresh before me the moments of my high resolve, that in fair weather or in foul, in good times or in tempest, in the days when the darkness and the foe are nameless or familiar, I may not forget that to which my life is committed. Keep fresh before me the moments of my high resolve. And so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you've joined us today. Now is our time of conscious contribution. If you'd like to take your gift in your hand, I, I know those of you online are going to cslportland.org slash donate. If you'd like, just hold your gift to your heart and repeat after me, graciously I give, from a place of love, knowing that as I give, so do I richly receive. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.